Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. When it comes to eating well, sometimes it feels like it's a guessing game. Even if something looks good for me, the label is usually full of mystery ingredients. Who's got time for that? Not me. That's why I love Daily Harvest. They say no to weird ingredients, fillers, seed oils, added sugars, and even gluten if that's something you avoid. So all I have to do is say yes to delicious, easy-to-prep options that never leave me wondering what's really in my food. They deliver delicious options such as smoothies, harvest bowls, soups, and my new favorite, their bites that are built on organic fruits and vegetables straight to my door. Thanks to Daily Harvest, I always have something convenient in my freezer, especially on a really busy day. Take the guessing out of eating well and try Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com slash ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com slash ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. dailyharvest.com slash ifstories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 325 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with a very special guest, Valeria Raimondi. Valeria lives in Milan, Italy, where she has worked in the publishing industry, including working as a translator, and she's also the co-author of a book about the pet food industry. She's getting ready to get into the olive oil business, which is really cool, but most excitingly, she is the person who translated Fast Feast Repeat into Italian 
And so I already am, spoiler alert, telling y'all that is how she found intermittent fasting, which is so cool. So Valeria, it is so nice to meet you audio face-to-face today. Nice to meet you too. So tell everybody the name of Fast Feast Repeat in Italian. What's it called in Italian? You had to translate it differently because Fast Feast Repeat doesn't work. Yes, it says Il Libro Definitivo sul Digiuno Intermittente, which is something like the the ultimate, the final book about intermittent fasting. Love it. I love it. So much fun. So I always start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? And I'm going to ask you the same question so you can tell everybody, you know, how, how that happened for you. Well, actually, it happened with your book. But uh, since 2016, I got interested in food, and that, that was because of my dogs. I, I was interested in, in feeding them better, so I happened to meet uh, two people, a, a, a vet and a dog nutrition. This woman, who is a Dutch, but lives in Switzerland, and Switzerland is not very far away from Milan, where I live, she is a dog nutritionist who took a degree in Germany with a woman who's called Swami Simon, who is the, I would say, the, the most important person in dog nutrition in Europe. She trained in, in the USA and she brought this concept of feeding dogs what they would naturally eat in, in nature, also here in Europe. So we talked about the opportunity to write a book and we decided that the book would be divided into three parts the first part would be about uh, the fast food industry and and i would uh, write it and then the vet would explain why a dog should not be fed industrial food and 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 then the nutritionist would write how to feed a dog properly so (laughs) i started investigating the fast food industry and it's so similar from under many aspects. It's so similar to the human junk food or uh, industrial food or ultra-processed food industry. So the food industry, actually. And so from there, I moved to, to nutrition as a, as a topic of my interest. And, and I brought this into my job because I, I translate books, but I also consult uh, publishers having worked in publishing for many years inside in a company. So what I do is read books. I read books that publishers are considering for publishing, and I give them an opinion as a reader, but also as a person who has been in the industry. I don't remember exactly if I first read your books and wrote a positive report, and then they gave it to me to translate. I think that was how it went. I love that. Can I interrupt you for just a second? I love that so much. There's so much that you've already shared that I would like to unpack. But, you know, people ask me all the time, how do I get your book translated into, you know, my language? And like just recently, someone in Canada who speaks French was asking me how to get Fast Feast Repeat translated into French. And it was interesting hearing about it from your side as an industry insider because, it actually has to be taken on, just like your publisher is an Italian publisher, 
and the the Italian publisher reaches out to my agent or to me, and then I refer them to my agent, and the Italian publisher buys the the rights to the Italian version, and then takes on the translation and the publishing of it. So, you know, anybody who's listening, if you speak a language and Fast Fees Repeat is not in it yet, I just can't decide to do it. It has to come from a publisher, and, you know, if you know anybody at a publisher in your in your country, that's the way to, to get it done. But I love that you most likely read it and recommended it to them. I do want to talk about the pet food industry later as we are we're continuing our conversation because you know, all this factory food, this industrial food is not good for us. And a lot of us are realizing that while still feeding our pets industrial food. So <laughs> it, I, I really can't wait to pick your brain with that. But so the the Italian publisher agreed, yes, we will publish Fast Feast Repeat, and you started translating it. Yes, and at the time it was uh, the fall of 2019. I actually was feeling very bad. I had a very low energy levels. I felt um, I had brainy. Uh, fog in my brain after having lunch, which was a very light lunch because I usually only had like a boiled egg and piece of bread. So nothing heavy, you know, nothing fatty or that you would imagine that makes you makes makes your digestion long and troublesome. But I still I, I, I wasn't feeling very very well. So while I was translating the book, I, I thought I recognized many of the things you said in me. For instance, I had started suffering from plantar fasciitis. I had a, a bad, bad pain under my feet. So I, it was just like I was translating it and I said, this is speaking to me directly. It's me. I have to do that. And I jumped on board and I started immediately with a very, very small window. That's was perfect for me. I, I never, you know, I never, I, I've never been a breakfast kind of person, so I don't suffer to, and, and I used to, to drink coffee with milk, so I moved to, to black coffee, and um, I, I never used sugar because I, I, I don't have a, a sweet tooth, and I don't like sugary things, so it was easy, and then I simply jumped the, I sorry, I skipped the, the lunch, and I jumped to the dinner, which I moved earlier in the day because at the time I used to eat very late at the night. And I moved the, the dinner to around half past six p.m. And it was easy. And I started to lose weight. And it was wonderful because when I started intermittent fasting, I was my weight was 70 kilos for I am a, a meter and 60 centimeters. So... 160 centimeters I'm I'm not very tall and I was heavy and I, I could feel it it was I was dragging a lot of weight around and I'm and that was tiring for me and so I embraced the the intermittent fasting as my new lifestyle actually and I've done that since I just did the math because our American listeners are we're not good at kilograms and centimeters so for, forgive me for that but you were 154 pounds is the equivalent to 70 kilograms, and 160 centimeters is just about five feet three inches. So 154 at five three. So when that was what you started at, and then you started losing weight. Yeah, and in after 
two years, a year and a half, I got to uh, weight uh, 53, 53 kilos. So I lost 15 kilos. So you got, oh, wow, you got down to a hundred and... You got down to 116, right around 117 pounds, which is 53, 53 kilograms. So that that really is that's right there in the ideal weight for your height. And do you mind do you mind if I ask your age? Oh, I'm 59. 59. All right. So that is that's amazing. Yeah, that that was very good. Although I have a story to tell you because you know at the same time, well before translating your book. I read a book by Tim Spector, The Diet Myth. I love him. Yeah, me too. I've read all his books. And also Jason Fang's books. So what you said was familiar to me. And I, I could also recognize that you had gone deep into these researches, you know, because I, I, I knew these people and I knew their books. So that was very, I was, I felt very sure because you know what happens that if I had gone to my GP and said, I'm doing this, she would have scolded me. And what happened is that recently I decided to have some blood tests because I, I, I haven't had blood tests for a long time. And what came out that it was everything was perfect except for the glycemia. The glycemia is measured uh, in the morning and you are supposed to... to be fasting since the evening before. And I, I couldn't remember that you mentioned this phenomenon and also Jason Fang talks about it in the obese code that the, the liver starts releasing sugar when the body is awakening if you don't ha already have enough sugar in your blood system and it happens when you're fasting. But since I couldn't remember it, I went to my GP and she, she was... You know, she was accusing me of doing something wrong. She said, you, you don't eat enough. And I could answer because I keep, a, I keep a food journal. I write every day what I eat because I also realized that it's not always very clear to me what I, uh, what I eat. You know, I tend to repeat the same menus <laughs> or I want to be sure I have complete diet that, you know, diversity is there. So I keep track of what I eat. And I, I could tell her, no, actually, I'm eating this, this, and that. I eat a lot of vegetables. I eat some meat, eggs, dairy. There's nothing that is not in my diet, you know. And since I'm, uh, I started following Zoe, where uh, you also spoke, I saw about intermittent fasting, I also introduce some nuts and and almonds and these kind of things that weren't usually in my diet you know and and but i find that there is a lot of resistance here about um intermittent fasting really in italy in general so italy is not on board with intermittent fasting no absolutely not uh, people eat a lot of, of well it's true that the italian diet is a little better in comparison to U.S. probably because there is more fresh products and we have a strong tra tradition in cookery in, in in cooking. But we are going down the same path as everybody else in the Western countries. So there's a lot of industrial food, a lot of junk food as well. 
and and here comes my my study of the uh, pet food industry because uh, they are so similar the two industries the human uh, food industry and the pet food industry are strictly related because the pet food industry is is coping we can say what or or the other way around i don't know which which started first probably the pet food industry started first but at the same time now they are in in a kind of cooperation where the pet food industry uses their parts of what is left from the industrialization of of the food in in humans are you tired of feeling tired are you someone who hits snooze and then slams your head straight back on the pillow magnesium breakthrough is an all-natural supplement that helps you sleep more peacefully and wake up feeling refreshed magnesium breakthrough is the only magnesium supplement on the market that contains the optimal ratio of all seven essential types of magnesium so if you want to feel more energized and get the best night's sleep you've had in forever check out bioptimizers.com if stories in addition to the discount you get by using the promo code if stories 10 you can get free gifts with your purchase up to two travel size bottles of magnesium breakthrough and who does not love something free act fast this is a limited time offer go now to bioptimizers.com slash if stories and don't forget to use the promo code if stories 10 you'll be amazed at how much better you feel by taking magnesium breakthrough if you travel you know how to pull off a perfect getaway You know after you enroll with your Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card, you get up to $10 back monthly on U.S. rideshare purchases with select providers, like a car to the airport. You know which remote retreats have the best herbal baths and where the Wi-Fi password is rarely used because you're the escape artist. It's why you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card member. If you travel, you know. Terms apply. Purchases must be on card. Visit go.mx slash you know. That's so interesting to think about, you know, most of us have pets, honestly. You know, most people have pets or have had pets in their lives. And, you know, I have cats. I'm a cat person. And one of our cats has diabetes. And we have to we have to give him insulin shots every day. Like twice a day, he has to get insulin shots. And we do that. But We've been feeding them dry cat food, even, you know, even though once he was diagnosed with diabetes, we upped the quality of the, the dried cat food. You know, that's Chad's department. He always, you know, I defer to him on certain things. He's very, like, cares a lot about those types of things. So I'm like, all right, you choose the cat food, whatever you think. But he's price conscious, let me put it that way. And I think that the reason, like, we, all the cats we've ever had have all... When they get old, they have some sort of kidney disease or or something like that. And it, it's coming from what we're feeding them, isn't it? Absolutely. Because cats, well, you know, dogs are very adaptable. So they are carnivores, but they have turned into omnivores, actually. But cats are, you know, cats haven't changed. The cats is, cats are the same as they used to be thousands of years ago. So they can't eat things that are not meat, you know. And it's also, they are also very picky. And while I was um, investigating the food industry, I bumped into some websites where, websites of companies that produce flavors for the cat food. 
because cats are very, very fussy and everybody is trying to understand what they like, but it's very, very difficult. So if you have a look at this website, you see how much money, what a kind of business is there, you know, because it's like the NASA, the, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, uh, I don't know, the, the space uh, agency to, to ship things on, on, on the moon. They, they are extremely rich and they, they have very sophisticated mechanism to try these flavors and try to find the right one for the cat because the cat, at a certain point, often many cats don't want what they have eaten till yesterday, you know. Okay, so this this makes it sound to me. Let me let me see if this if I'm understanding this properly. You know, we understand that the food industry flavors human food in a way that makes it addictive to us, so we can't stop eating it. Like the book, the Dorito effect was was the first thing I read about that. And there are many other books about this topic now. You know how they engineer the food. So you know we we hear the phrase. You know you can't just eat one. That was I guess Pringles had that as a commercial back in the day, but. It's literally engineered so we can't eat just one. So are they doing the same thing with our cat food? Are they adding flavors in that make the cats yes. overeat of it? Course. Oh, my gosh. But of course. But that happens also with uh, with uh, dogs. And, you know, with dogs, it's, it's easy because the dog eats what smells a lot, what stinks. Okay, that's why also kibbles stink. Uh, every pet food in in kibbles kibbles do you call them kibbles the right the dog food. the dog food so dog food stinks because dogs like stinky things yes exactly dog loves stinky stuff so because they they don't have many papille gustative how do you say that in english they don't have the buds the the buds on the, taste, on the, buds. Tongue, the okay. taste buds exactly sorry but they have a very strong smell sense you know so what stinks is good for them but cats are a mystery, you know. The cat is, is a mysterious animal, so they don't understand, the industry still don't understand what, the, what they like, what they really like. If they, it's salty, it's sweet, it's what do they like exactly. So they are continuously trying to fine-tune the, the flavor. Well, actually, all pet food, all dry pet food is ultra, ultra, ultra processed. And it's like there's nothing that exists in nature. It, they are flour, flour made from we don't know exactly what, but uh, surely there are bones and and furs and and whatever. What what is uh, left in in a butchery uh, in a industrial butchery? Whatever is thrown away, the the, the rubbish becomes pet food. And of course, it's heated. It undergoes a process of cooking, heating at very, very high temperatures. And everything that was alive is killed, good and bad. That so sounds awful. It is. It is. Afterwards, what do they do? They put in vitamins, minerals, and flavor. So with the dogs, it's easy. Just Put in some rotten cheese and the dog is happy. Or the flavor of rotten cheese. What is cheaper? <laughs> but for the cats, for the cats, it's, it's, it's difficult, you know. There's a book, very nice book that came out in the USA years ago that tells you clearly all that I'm telling you. It's called 
food to die for. It tells everything. She investigated uh, uh, very deeply the the topic of of pet food industry. I I guess she her name is Ann Miller or something like that. Okay, so basically, food,、uh, sorry, it's food pets die for. Okay, food pets die for. So now I feel terrible about all this that we've always been feeding our cats this dried cat food. So they they really should not be eating grains or vegetables. No. Okay. The they need to eat meat. Meat. Yes. Meat and heart. You know, the heart is very important for for the cat. Well, actually, for dogs as well, liver, heart, because they contain a lot of minerals and all the vitamins. Well, actually. When I was a girl, when I was a, a little girl, here where I live in, in northern Italy, people used to eat liver and and、uh, heart and、uh, the internal parts of animals because they were really nutritious. They are really nutritious, because, but nowadays, very few people do that. Yeah, that's true. It's got it's such a like I, I've tried to eat like pate with goose liver, and I just can't. It's very strong taste. I can't like it. So basically, we need to rethink what we're feeding our cats, and we need to get them. Like, is there any kind of packaged pet food that that, or does it need to be like fresh? Well, it's frozen. Well, well, you can buy good food frozen, but you know when when the cats are adults and and they have been eating kibbles all their life, dry food all their life, it's almost impossible to move them to an, a new diet. Because they are very, they resist. They don't want that. Cats are very difficult to. <laughs> they are. They, they do what they want to do. I have seen Ellie. She's my my special cat. That she's very sassy. But I have seen her eat an entire lizard, <laughs> like starting at the tail, crunching it up. Like when you when a cat is eating a lizard, it's it sounds like like popcorn or like crunch crunch yeah, crunch. Yeah, it's absolutely <laughs> their food. And what you said before. That、uh, at a certain age they get kidney diseases. It's it's because they are not animals that drink water. They drink very little water because originally they were born in in the desert in in a place where there was no water. So the cat hasn't changed much, hasn't evolved much. So the the cat doesn't drink much. And with the kibbles, actually with dry food, they should. Drink much more because it's heavy on the kidney if they don't drink. That's why every I used to have cats, and the same happened to me, exactly the same. That's interesting because you know we do keep plenty of water down for the cats. You know they do drink the water, but it makes sense if they're eating the dry food. So that's also interesting because a a cat food company is you know expressed interest in sponsoring the podcast. I don't know if they will or not, but. Now I'm even more interested in finding out about what what the cats should be eating. So I'm going to look deeper into that. So w- when you researched the pet food industry and and realized about the industrial food, how did that change what you personally were eating? Yeah, well, I was investigating and researching for the for the for the book on on dogs diet, and then later we wrote a second book on the cat diet. I realized that the the industry, the food industry, is massive, is a massive business, and it's very, very easy to mess up with food, and you don't realize that. 
and every most of the things. So I started, for instance, I started to pay attention to what people bought and what they had in the supermarket, what they had in the in the char in the um, how do you call that the bags? So where the where ingredients? You... you were looking at the ingredients. Yeah. Yeah. What they what they what the people bought for for dinner for for lunch, the grocery. Yes. Also, I had read before everything, before all I have said, I must add that I, I have read a couple of books by Michael Pollan, also The Food Rules. And I was always, I always remembered what he said uh, in, the, in The Food Rules. He said, mm, don't eat anything that your grandmother wouldn't recognize. Yep. His, his, three, his three food rules were eat food, not too much, mostly plants, right? And I, it sounds like you and I had a very similar reading history. We both read Michael Pollan. We both found our way through Tim Spector's work, and you know they're saying very, very similar things about what to eat. You know, eating. You know, I, I know that you're in Italy, the blue zones. You're reading about that and eating in a traditional way. Yeah, but. I want to add something because I got quite tracked. After I started intermittent fasting, many things started to change in my attitude towards food. As you said in the book, it would happen. Because I started, I changed my tastes, but not because I decided, but because my body was attracted to different things. For instance, I I started to eat more vegetables. I never was fond of salads, and I started to to like salads and to to put different ingredients in salad, also orange and almonds, and be more creative in these things. Then I went through a period where I I really liked prosciutto, you know, ham. We have very very good prosciutto, not very you know not very manipulated because the so-called prosciutto di Parma is is just uh, you know just meat that you leave there with salt for a long time and, and there's not much processing and I was very fond of that for a period and then I started to go over it and now I'm mostly into lots of vegetables and and I never eat processed food you know but I am not even attracted to processed food isn't that amazing? Yeah, yeah, really. That that was what surprised me most of all because I could my body was re-educated, as you said, and went to the things that were better or, or best for for me. Yeah, that really is true. And sometimes people will ask, they'll say, When does that happen? You know, people will, will ask, when when should I expect that? And sometimes people it doesn't happen quickly for everybody. And Really, for me, it happened as I started being intentional about adding better food. The more plants I added, the more I craved. And so I had to, first I had to change by, I I added things. And the more good food I added, the less processed food I wanted. So, you know, if, if someone's listening and they're like, well, I really, you know, I hear you talk about this, Jen, I hear your guests talk about this, and it's not happening for me, baby steps can include you just, you know, working to add more plant variety. And I re- I think it has to do, you know, based on what I know scientifically with our gut microbiome. And as our gut changes, it drives our cravings. So if someone has an ultra-processed food kind of gut, 
because that's what you've been eating, you have the gut microbiome that craves the ultra-processed foods. And so much of our craving comes from our gut. But as you start eating different foods, you will change what's living in your gut. And then therefore, your gut will send you different cravings. So it's, it really is a process, but you felt it strongly. I also think fasting plays a role, which is why it happens to so many intermittent fasters, because fasting and gut rest helps your gut microbiome change as well. Yeah. Also, what I shared with, uh, with a friend of mine, she, she was overweight and she decided to, to also to, to start intermittent fasting. And so we often talk about what happens in our bodies. And, and yes, the, the cravings change completely. I have no cravings and I, I feel much more energetic. And uh, of course, it depends on the weight loss because I'm, I'm lighter. So of course, it's, it's less difficult for me. To, I'm not carrying a big backpack with 15 kilos more than I should. But at the same time, but it happened quite quickly, you know. Uh, when I started intermittent fasting, I immediately felt better, almost immediately. And then all the, the changes, small, big changes came with time. And I'm still changing, actually. I, I don't think I have reached a point where I will never change again. Because, for instance, recently I've gained a couple of kilos, but I haven't changed anything in, in my habits. So it, it, it depends, you know, but, but I'm, I'm happy because I know that I'm, I'm eating the things that are good for me. And I, I feel more in contact with my body. Yeah, I think that's really, that's what we find. Like we really, really start to connect. We feel more in contact with our body. We connect with what our body is telling us. You know, interestingly, I, I didn't say this earlier, when you talked about how you would eat, you had brain fog in the afternoon after lunch, you would have eggs and bread. I have realized eggs make me super sleepy. Like, I don't know why, but eggs knock me out. And the first time I realized it was after I had my whole food plant-based experiment for 60 days. The The first meal I had that was, you know, I, I had, when, when, I, when I reintroduced, you know, what I had been avoiding, it was avocado toast with egg on top. And I hadn't had egg. And that was what I was craving. I was craving the egg. And I was so tired after eating it. And I hadn't been having the, the tiredness with, with the whole food plant-based. And then not that long ago, I didn't really you know, make that huge connection. But a couple weeks ago, I opened, I don't eat a ton of eggs at night just because you know, the way that I, I normally have my eating window. But we had some eggs. Chad had bought some and they were, we had a lot of them and we hadn't been using them because sometimes he'll have egg sandwiches. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to have an egg sandwich to open my window. And I did. And then I like was falling asleep watching TV at like eight o'clock. I was like, I think, I think eggs make me sleepy. Anyway, I just had to say that because, you know, we, I, I never would have made that connection before, but now I think I have. Well, you know what also happens for me uh, is that having a, an eating window, I don't want to waste it in, you know, like food that is not really nourishing me. Right. And that was what I was talking about with uh, the friend I mentioned before, because sometimes she goes to, you know, to have some drinks with friends and, and she says, I spoiled my window because I, I didn't I didn't get the, the 
the good stuff, the, the stuff that is really nourishing. Yeah. It, it's and like, it does feel like a waste. It's not, if it's not window worthy, it feels like a waste. I had a window like that last week. We went and played trivia with some friends and we had a great time, but I ordered the wrong things. Like I, I did not make a good choice with what I ordered. I... And I was like, well, that was a mistake. And I didn't like anything that I had. And I was so disappointed. <laughs> then the next day I was like, I was like, I'm having some beans. I'm having, some, you know, I just was craving, you know, nutrients. And, you know, it, I was like, like I felt gypped. Yeah. And it, it, it's a journey because it, it takes you to be more aware, to be more pay more attention to, to what you're buying also, you know. Yeah, that's true. I have an app on my phone that tells me, I don't know if you have it in, in the USA, but here in Europe, it's a French app that tells you, you know, you, you scan the barcode of, of the thing that you are buying, the product, and it tells you if it's good or not, if it contains too, too much sugar, too additives, the salt, and I, I often check the food when when I, I don't know what it is, for instance, you know, like pasta. Well, as an Italian, I don't eat much pasta, actually. But I, of course, when I eat it, I want it to be good quality because, as you know, the, the flowers are, grains are, are, are not very safe. It depends. And, and so I check on it and it's, it, tell, it tells you the quality of the product that you are buying, but I, I wouldn't have done that before. What's the name of that app? Do you know the Do you know the name of it? Yes, of course. It's called Nuka. It's Y U K A. Okay, yeah, I've heard of that app before. We have it in America as well. And you're right; they they look at all sorts of things when they're they're judging a food. Sometimes it's a little weird. Like for example, they'll tell you olive oil is not good because it has too much fat or something. And of course, yeah, olive oil is they, supposed they to. Are, yeah, old <laughs> so, school. Yeah, in, in yeah. many things they are old school. For instance, everything is too salty for them. But what I look at is additives, you know, because they also tell you what is this additive, what's the risk, the risk rate of the, of the additive. So I, I use it in this, in this, you know. Yeah, that's way. a good way of using it. I remember when Cleanish first came out and we had our community, we were doing a Cleanish book study and someone recommended this app, the Yuka app. And, and so people are, you know, people like to try things other people recommend and then they're scanning things that are like, why is this bad? And I'm like, okay, you got to look at it and understand what they're telling you. They're telling you this product has too much fat, but you just scanned olive oil or you just scanned butter. It's fat. That's what it is. So <laughs> you can't just, you have to, when you use the Yuka app, you have to really know what, what, like you have to read in an informed way, what they're telling you, because obviously, you know, don't use olive oil. It has too much fat. I mean, no, <laughs> but they do have some really good information. You just have to know what, what you're looking at. Yes, exactly. They give you the information that it are difficult to, to get, you know, what the additives, because you can read the, the ingredients, but you don't understand what the, the, the things are, you know, it's the same with the fat food. There are the, the ingredients, but it's, you know, it's impossible to understand what they what they are and what they should be. That's true. And it, it has to do with the fact that just because a word is complicated looking, that doesn't mean it's bad for us. And just because a word looks 
innocent doesn't mean it's good for us. So we really have to understand, you know, what what are these things which are are a bit dangerous and which are really not. You know, I've, Beauty Counter, which is my my makeup and skincare brand that I use, has really taught me that. Just because it's a you know got a long chemical sounding name doesn't mean it's dangerous. But we we need to be careful. We need to we need to know. We need to have a way of of examining them. And I love that all these apps are are out there. I really like. There's one called Switch Natural, and um, it wasn't out yet, or I didn't know about it when I wrote Cleanish. But a friend of mine told me about it, and it's it's not a free app, but it lets you instead of having databases of products, and I'm, I'm not affiliated with the the person who created this app. Although we did chat briefly on Instagram Messenger, because she's like, "Hey, I heard you recommend my app." I'm like, "Yeah, I like it." <laughs> but it lets you scan an ingredients list for anything, and then it like reads the ingredients list and tells you what you should be concerned about from that ingredients list. So it, that, I really think that's a good app. I don't know if it's available in Europe though. I don't know. I will. I will research it. But I want to ask you a question, if I'm allowed. Please do. Listening and watching the, the podcast of Zoe, where you also had an episode, often the doctors, the specialists, say, refer to your doctor, refer to your GP. But uh, what happens when, in the US, for instance, when people go to the GP and say, I am fasting, I eat in a two hour window or one hour window and I eat this way because this occurred to me because you said that yucca condemns olive oil and I don't know there but here the, the common mistakes that Tim Spector talks about in Spoonfed at the beginning when he says we, we still believe that cereals in at breakfast are the best choice and We are so manipulated by the food industry. But the doctors are too, you know. <laughs> the problem is they just don't know what they don't know. And I think we're all like that. You know, we've been trained, whatever our field is, we were trained in it a certain way. And we've been doing that work a certain way. You know, I think about education and how we were trained, doctors, how they were trained. And you just really know what you were taught. And especially if you've been doing it a long time, And yes, we, we do learn new things over time, but you know, if you're heavy into just, you know, the, you're working, you're a you know, working doctor, they may not be up on the latest research just because, you know, working as a doctor is, you know, you're dealing with bureaucracy, you're dealing with insurance companies, you're running a business. And, you know, obviously that's, that takes away a lot of time. So they may not even be aware. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, what happens if you talk to your GP about fasting. Well, it depends on your GP. Some doctors understand fasting. I've had so many people come to intermittent fasting because their doctor told them about it. And yet there are also people who go to their doctor and their doctor's like, oh, yeah, fasting, don't do it. And so it just depends. On, on how educated they are on the research. You know, a lot of doctors, when they really understand the research, they live the lifestyle themselves. But it's just a matter of them being open to learning about it, understanding it, trying it out, fasting clean, that makes a big difference. And so, you know, I, I encourage everyone, never be afraid to talk to your doctor about it. And if you get the reaction that you were not hoping for, 
that doesn't mean there's something wrong with fasting. It just means that your doctor doesn't know about it. But just think about how many things there are for a doctor to know about. And, you know, your doctor may be great at dealing with, you know, chronic infection type things or what, you know, whatever, but, but just doesn't understand the nutrition aspect of it. And, and again, it's not their fault. It's just, it's training. You know, do- I've heard doctors say they get like, you know, two hours of nutrition training. And so much of the research is funded by big food. And so, you know, like we, we've talked about breakfast is the most important meal of the day came out of research funded by Kellogg's. And so, of course, they found not only was breakfast the most important meal of the day, but the very best breakfast was cereal. <laughs> no shock, right? So, huh, it's, it, it is such an industry. So, you really have to take all research with a grain of salt. If you travel for work, you know to pack two suits, business and swim. You know with your Delta Sky Miles business Amex card, buying that plane ticket for a business trip can get you closer to medallion status. You know that a meeting in Montana means visiting almost every national park. Yellowstone? Check. Because you're the chief excursion officer. It's why you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum Business American Express card member. If you travel, you know. Terms apply. Visit go.amex slash you know business. When you choose Organic Valley, not only will you be enjoying great tasting dairy, you'll help to save over 1,600 small organic family farms who are protecting over 400,000 acres of organic farmland and all the plants and animals that call it home. This is dairy you can feel good about. It's great tasting, high-quality organic dairy, ethically sourced from small organic family farms. To find Organic Valley Dairy near you, visit ov.coop. That's ov.coop. Yeah, but you know what is happening is that it has become normal to eat five times a day, six times a day, and no, at least where I live, and according to my experience, even nutritionists find it okay, you know, which is obviously not okay, because you're continuing, you're digesting all the time. Right. And so if I weren't feeling good, I would feel very lonely, you know, which is what has happened to me when I realized that my Glycemia was high in the morning, and I checked on it in the pharmacy, in two pharmacies that are where, near where I live. And the people were just like, "You shouldn't, you shouldn't be fasting. You shouldn't do that." And that, you know, there was really it was impossible to to have a conversation with them on that. Yeah, and what's so interesting is. Why do they think that eating more food is going to make you have lower blood sugar? That doesn't even make sense. Your blood sugar is too high. Have some cereal. <laughs> I mean, I don't get it. Yes, exactly. Yeah, you know, because what what the, the theory behind this is that you messed up your metabolism. Fasting, you know, fasting, you messed it up. So in order to get it back to normal, you have to eat breakfast. A snack, lunch, a snack, dinner, and maybe if you want, you can even have a snack before going to bed, which is, you know, so far, far away from from what I now think is correct. We can just really go by how we feel. You know, our bodies have amazing feedback mechanisms in place to let us know what works and what doesn't. And we've made it so complicated. Things as simple as drinking water are so complicated now. People have apps on their phone forcing them to drink water. And, 
you know, I've seen there's there's a um you know, I've seen a great analysis of the, the advice to drink, you know, eight glasses of water a day and how that was also just like a like made up advice. And but people are now taking it like, well, if if it's good to drink eight, I should drink a gallon of water a day or something. And people are are forcing themselves to override their body's signals to do something that they think is right. And actually, if you overconsume water, especially if you're fasting, it can, you know, wash out your electrolytes and cause problems. But, you know, we just think we should be doing it. So our bodies let us know what we need if we tune in and listen. If we feel good, that's our body telling us things are good. If we feel bad, that's our bodies letting us know. And I remember when I ate all the time, I felt bad all the time. And then it's, it's you know, when I started fasting, I, I realized how bad I felt. And the way to realize, you know, sometimes people will say, where's this energy that you're talking about, Jen? You know, I'm doing intermittent fasting. I'm not feeling any crazy burst of energy. Well, if you've been doing fasting for more than a couple of months and you don't think you're feeling a burst of energy, the way you can know is have a day where you start eating at seven in the morning and eat all day, and you're going to feel so tired and lethargic, you will realize that you did have good energy while fasting. You know, your body lets you know. So anyway, getting, getting away from our own wisdom and relying on other people to tell us what we should do, that's why we're all so confused. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, your doctor is supposed to tell you how you should eat. Or if you go to a nutritionist, supposedly he or she, they know better than you, but that's not the case. The older we get, right, you and I, we're in our 50s, the older we get, the more we realize that doctors are people and every doctor is going to have things they're really good at and things also that they don't know. Like a heart surgeon is not going to know how to, you know, possibly deliver your baby, right? I mean, maybe they they might, but they'd probably be better at delivering your baby than I would. But they're still, they don't, they know what they know and they don't know everything because medicine is so specialized now. So like a GP is mainly dealing with, you know, like here's a prescription for that. And they, they just know how to treat the symptoms. They're not really digging into the, you know, the foundational, like, why are these things happening? That's why I, you know, I've, I've really gotten to know a lot of great functional medicine doctors. And a lot of them started out as traditional doctors and then realized they were missing the root cause. So they had to go back and learn more about the body. And it changed the way they practice. And so I don't fault any doctors for not knowing. It's the system. Just like, you know, the food system is broken. I think our medical system is broken in many ways because we've gotten into, just like education is broken. You know, we've gotten in the point of education where it's very prescriptive and we give you this test for this child and then we do this thing with you, but every kid is going to be different and learn differently. And just like our bodies are unique. And so we got to get away from the prescriptive any kind of field and and dig deeper and realize we're all unique in the way we we respond to food, what we eat, when we eat, whether a medication is effective or whether there's something else or how we learn. And getting back to our individual differences, I think, is, is going to make such a difference. And there are a lot of people who see that. Yeah. And also, I think that what is a big advantage of intermittent fasting is that you eat when you are hungry which is not what usually happens. People eat out of a habit. It's noon, I have to eat. It's 
breakfast, I have to have breakfast. It's breakfast time, I have to have breakfast. It's dinner. But I can't eat when I'm not hungry. And, and this is something that is not easy to understand because we think we are hungry many times. When, when you are accustomed to eating many times a day, your brain goes to food. It's, it's a light addiction. Addiction maybe is a strong word for that, but you are actually, you are in a habit of, 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 of eating. And even if you are not really hungry and your body doesn't need it, it doesn't need that food, you know. You're exactly right. That is exactly right. So have you had any non-scale victories? I know you mentioned your plantar fasciitis, no more brain fog. Any other non-scale victories that, you, that you've had? No, I, 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 I had these problems and, and, and I went away with, uh, with the intermittent fasting and I'm, I'm feeling very, very well now. Although my glycemia was a little bit high in the morning. Yeah, yeah, that that's very normal. Like like you know, Jason Fung explains, it's the dawn effect, and it's it's not something to be worried about as long as it's not high all the time. Exactly. So no, exactly because uh, since I I I got a bit scared by the reaction of these uh, doctors, so I started to check on it several times a day. And actually, it's a little bit high only in the morning when I wake up. And then during the day, it's very low. It's, it's absolutely low. Yeah. See, that's, that's where knowledge is power. And, and the doctor, again, your doctor was looking at a snapshot in time of that moment when you had it. And one thing that wearing a CGM has taught me is how variable blood sugar or blood glucose is. And it changes. And you know, you could have a lower morning blood sugar if you shifted your eating window earlier. You're probably, by the time you woke up in the morning, your blood sugar would be lower. But it would still have follow the same cycle of having been higher earlier. Just you wouldn't necessarily see it. So <laughs> anyway, it's it's funny how we get fixated on it must be this at this time of day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. For everybody. <laughs> For everybody, exactly. So that, that's really funny. Also... Had you had coffee before testing your blood sugar? No. Okay. The reason I mentioned that is because coffee can cause your liver to dump glycogen. So it can actually, people, if you're drinking even black coffee, you drink the black coffee, it causes your liver to dump more glycogen. It makes your blood sugar go up. And so people are like, oh my gosh, coffee is raising my blood sugar. Well, we want our liver to clear out the glycogen. So that's not a bad thing. It's only, it might be surprising if you don't know why. So if anyone's going to have fasted blood work, it's best to not have anything except water before you go. Just a little FYI, because coffee can, if you're drinking some coffee right before, it can cause your blood sugar to go up. But so can like going up a flight of stairs, you know, if you're going up upstairs to get your blood drawn, that can cause your, your body to dump out some glycogen and lead to a high, a high blood sugar. At the beginning, I suspected the toothpaste because I had brushed my, my teeth before going out. So I thought, oh my goodness, probably that's the, you know, the, the things you talk about, you write about in the book, the encephalic... Uh, but that would actually cause your, your insulin to go up and your blood sugar to go down. 
Ah, yeah. So that wouldn't. So right. that that would be the opposite. Yeah, because sometimes people will use that. They're like, "Well, I drank some diet coke, and my blood sugar went down. So that means I didn't have an insulin response." I'm like, actually, opposite. Because <laughs> the reason, like, insulin makes your blood sugar go down. So, and there's just so many variables going on. Like, it's a, an interplay that's going on behind the scenes. Your liver's releasing glycogen. Your pancreas is releasing insulin. You know, even when we're we're fasting clean. Our pancreas is still releasing insulin all the time. We never have zero insulin unless we are, you know, type 1 diabetic, and then you've got to take it. You can't have, we, we don't exist in a state of zero insulin. So it's always going to be, you know, that interplay in our bodies as our bodies are regulating, you know, because we need to have our blood sugar within a certain range and our insulin within a certain range. We don't want it to be, want it to be, to be too high or too low. Is it possible to test? Is it possible to test insulin? Does you can. You can take. You can get a fasting insulin test. Don't be surprised if your doctor pushes back and says, "Why do you want that?" You know, you can get a fasting insulin test, and in America, we can order it ourselves through, a, you know, something like walk-in labs on the internet, and then you just go to like a Quest or a LabCorp, and they'll draw your blood. I'm not really sure what you would have to do in Italy, but you absolutely can get a fasting insulin test. The problem with that is it it's just again a snapshot in time. It would be so nice if we could get insulin tested like the way a CGM tested our blood glucose. It would be so nice if we could test insulin the same way. That would be amazing. Maybe one day. I don't know if anybody's working on that, but we are almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting or what do you wish you knew when you first started? I would tell somebody who's starting intermittent fasting to to stick to it for enough time to see the results because they are coming. Give yourself time. Yes, give yourself some time. Take it easy. Be trustful because it really changes your life really deeply forever, I think. <laughs> I would never go back to, to eating the way I used to eat before that. Absolutely. Well, Valeria, thank you so very much. And it's so nice to to meet you. And thank you for doing such a great job translating Fast Feast Repeat into Italian. Thank you to you. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. Welcome to Pura, the most pristine, safe, climate-stable city on Earth. A haven amidst the wreckage. Here, 
You're safe from heat domes, superstorms, water bandits in the outer lands. There's no crime in Pura. No murder, no suicide. And best of all, there's no cost to join us. In Pura, we promised to keep you safe. I killed her! You took everything! In a world that doesn't feel so safe anymore, we're waiting for you. Here, in Pura. The Last City is a new scripted audio drop from Wondery. Enjoy The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City right now ad-free on Wondery Plus. Get started with your free trial at wondery.com slash plus.